Merry Christmas. Christmas time is upon us, and it's good to stop and look at the real reason for the season, and no one has a better perspective on that than the person that the season is all about. Jesus Christ came into the world seeking to save that which is lost. We are lost, and he came to save us. So in these next three podcasts, we're going to talk about why Jesus came in his own words. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke, to Luke chapter 2. And so when you hear Luke chapter 2, you say, well, I know where Brother Monty's headed during this Christmas season. He's going to begin with, it came to pass in those days. Well, uh, we will reference that this morning, but I want to look toward the end of Luke chapter 2 at the verses that are there in just a moment. Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 1, begins with the account of the announcement to Zechariah that he and Elizabeth were going to have a baby. And of course, that baby would be John the Baptist. And then while Elizabeth is with child for John to be born, the word comes to Mary concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. She who knew no man, she who was a virgin, was told that she would bring forth a child and they would name his name Jesus. And uh, the angel told her those words, and she yielded herself to the will of God, whatever God's will for her would be. And so we have all this account in Luke chapter 1 of the coming of the Messiah. Then Luke chapter 2 begins with, It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. We will be reading that in the weeks that are ahead. And then around this building, which we've had for, I think, maybe... 22 years, something like that, since we came into this building, probably 20 years ago, uh, these little cutouts, silhouettes went on the wall that kind of told a story. You know, you can proclaim the gospel in a lot of different ways. And so you have Mary and Joseph, they're making a journey to Bethlehem, and we know why they had to go there because of the decree from Caesar Augustus, but we know that behind that, There was another reason why they had to go there, and that was because God said that's where Messiah was going to be born. So they make a journey. Out in the fields, there are shepherds watching their flocks by night when suddenly a host of angels appears, and the first thing the angel says to them is, fear not. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so then the angel tells them that they need to go uh, to Bethlehem, which they are on the outskirts of Bethlehem at that time, and they're going to go and they're going to find a a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. So we kind of proclaim it. And then later the, the wise men will come and a star will guide them. So we proclaim this message in a lot of different and various ways. And that's a good thing. In fact, I think that if I were to ask you this morning, uh, tell, me, tell me how Jesus came, that not only you, but I think most of the population of the free world that's heard the gospel at all, has heard anything about Jesus, knows that the birth of Jesus Christ was not like any other birth. It was, he was born of a virgin. And so the virgin birth of Jesus is the key to this whole story. It holds everything together. Jesus' birth was totally different than any other human birth. If you ask people, even if they're not in church, but even if during this time they're listening to a radio station, they're going to say, well, you know, it was in Bethlehem. I think I heard that song, Old Little Town of Bethlehem. 
And angels, I, I think I heard about angels we have heard on high, and I think about Mary. Mary, did you know? And so we have this story uh, of where he was born and when he was born, and we know that he separates B.C. from A.D. and how he was born. He was born of a virgin. I think a lot of people understand or they know all these things. So if you get all of these things, you're kind of getting it together. But this morning, I want to talk to you about why he came. And not just what our opinion might be as to why he came or why I think he came, but why did Jesus come in his own words? Why did Jesus say he came? I want you to pick up with me this morning in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 2. We're going to look primarily at verse 49, but I'm going to read the verses that lead up to that. So either follow along with me beginning in verse 41 or just listen. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the, fe of the feast. And then when they had filled the days and they were returning, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know that he'd stayed in Jerusalem. Verse 44, but they supposing him to have been with the company, all the people that were traveling down from Nazareth, they went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they went back to Jerusalem looking for him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed at his mother and, his, and said unto him, Son, now if it had been my mother, she'd have said a lot more than this. Okay. Uh, if, you had, if it had been one of your children, they'd been gone for a few days, and they had not been, well, at least send a text. I mean, uh, you would think. But she said to him, Son, why hast thou dealt this way with us. Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. We had no idea what had happened to you. And he said to them, and this is the text really today I want to talk about, how is it that you sought me? Wished ye not, King James Version says, wished ye not that it be about my father's business? In other words, don't you know that I'm here on a mission? Don't you know that I have come to do my Father's business? Didn't you understand? Haven't you understood? Don't you understand that I'm here on my Father's business? And they understood not the sayings which he spoke unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things and sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus asked this question, don't you know that I should be about my father's business? Now, some translations have this, wouldn't you have known that I would be in my father's house? But really, the translation is, don't, don't you know that I should be about the things of my father? There's a Greek word, the word is idios, idios. It is, oddly enough, it is the word from which we get our word, idiot. You would think, how would that word show up in the context of 
this particular passage of Scripture, and, but yet this is what Jesus said. The word idiot has to do with uh, things that are related to a person, responsibilities related to a person, thoughts related to a person. A person who is an idiot only thinks their own thoughts. We'd say they know it all. They know everything. Their mind is filled with their own thoughts. They're not gathering information from anyone else because they already know everything. So we would call that person an idiot. But it used in this particular context, Jesus saying, I am here on the business of my Father. I am here to fulfill the will of my Father. Why did Jesus come? I'm here to do the things that were laid out for me by God. This is God's business. This is my Father's business, and I'm here for that business. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about things that Jesus came to do, but I want this morning to just talk about some of the things that, and reference some of the things that he said he came to do. Why did Jesus come in his own words? Well, let me give you some illustrations. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, at his own home synagogue, he said these words. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is why I came to set everything right that is wrong. In John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, I am come to do the will of him that sent me. In other words, I came to do my Father's will. In fact, he would say, I do always the things that please him. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, in reference to the fact that he just told a little guy named Zacchaeus to come down out of the tree, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, you've been lost I've been lost. He came to seek us. He came seeking for me. John chapter 10, verse 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So he came into a world where their people were dead, dead in their trespasses and sins. He came into the world where people were dead in their trespasses and sins, and he said, I came that you might have life. But more than that, he says it to every one of us today. If you're kind of caught up in the 2020 virus, fatigue, world that we're living in. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He came to give us abundant life. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to give himself a ransom for many. John chapter 12, verse 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Hallelujah, light is come. Jesus Christ has come. John 18, 37, I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus has come to bear witness to what is actually true. John 9, 39, for judgment I am come into this world. Who is the judge? Who sits upon the throne? It's none other than Jesus. Jesus stood outside a grave of, of Lazarus in John chapter 11 and said to the two sisters of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? Luke's gospel records that the first spoken words by God in the flesh, not the first spoken words by God, the first spoken words that are recorded by God was, let there be light. But God came in the flesh. 
Jesus laid aside his glory, robed himself in flesh, in humanity, and God became a man. I could ask you, do you believe this? Hello, this is Monty Schenkel, and we sure appreciate you listening to this podcast. This is a new effort on our part from Take Heart Ministry. A little over a year ago, we began Take Heart Ministry with the intention of telling people by means of radio and also the internet and now by podcasts that they can take heart because Jesus cares for them. If you'd like to know more about us, if you'd like to check our ministry out, you can go to takeheart.org. If you would like to personally contact me, you can write to Monty Schinkel or you can write to mschinkel at takeheart.org. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. You see, if we're talking about Christ coming to the world, we're talking about Christmas, we're talking about why he came, then the very first thing you've got to get in your mind is that this is God that's come down to us. There was a time when there was nothing, nothing at all. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first recorded word that he, he spoke was, light be. Let there be light. This world was nothing but darkness, and it was void. And you think this world is moving to a place when everything's going to be confused and all gobbled up and everything and garbled up and everything. But when Jesus, the Bible says all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was the creative Christ before he was the cradle Christ. So he spoke these words, let there be light. And then he brought order into the world of chaos. Out of the chaos, he separated the land from the water, the firmament, all of those things that he made. Those were the first words that he spoke recorded in Genesis chapter 1. But now the very first thing that he says as a 12-year-old, the first thing it's recorded that we know about is he says, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? What is the father's business? I think if we look at these verses, we have an idea. Obviously, Jesus came to the sick, the captive, the brokenhearted, the poor, the blind, the bruised. All of this was part of his business. He came for the lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. People that don't know him as their Savior. People have an eternal destination in a place called hell. You say, is that his business? That's his business. He came for the spiritually dead. He came that they might have life. He came to those that were beaten down by life. And he said, I've come that you might have abundance. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I just know that week by week, we run into a whole lot of people that are just beaten down by life. You try and it seems like nothing works right. And, and uh, you try it again. And, and eventually... Let me say this to all you old people that are 68 and above, okay? Uh, eventually, you'd come to the point where it's like, everything I try to do, I, I had a, a, a university uh, president call me this week. Now, that never happens, but I had one call me this week, and he's saying, well, how is everything at Concord, and how are you all doing? And, and my statement to him was, it's like, Everything is not like it used to be, and we're not doing everything like we used to, and we're doing less than what we used to do, and everything we're doing is harder to do than it's ever been. It's just true. It's harder to do than it's ever been. 
So let me tell you what this preacher thinks as we move toward Christmas. I need abundant life. I need the abundant joy. I need the abundant vim and vigor. I need the abundant perspective. I need the abundant forgiveness. I need the abundant salvation. I need everything. You know what I need? What I need, I already have. I have Jesus. He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Slave markets are part of his business. Graveyards, cemeteries, they're a part of his business. The classroom is a part of his business. The courtroom is a part of his business. Those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. They are a part of his business. This entire universe is his business. In every corner of creation, Jesus has come to be about the Father's business. Mankind is quick to say, that's none of your business. So someone would say, well, the election, that's none of his business. I'm going to tell you that is his business. He's right in the middle of all of it. This country and how it operates, is that none of his business? No, that's his business. And the people that are in the hospitals, that's his business. And the people that are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, that's his business. And whatever woe that you have in your life in this confused COVID world, it is his business. That's why he came. He said, I'm come. Don't you know that I'm supposed to be about my father's business? I just had a thought come to mind of an incident from from a long, long time ago. One, One summer day, we were outside at the little house we lived at on Highway 16 in Kentucky, and a guy's car broke out, broke down in, in, in front of our house. We were there in the front yard play, and I never had seen anything like this ever in my life before. And this guy got out of the car, and his wife got out of the car, and he commenced to beat her right in the road, right there in front of our house. And my dad intervened, and he said to my dad, this is none of your business. And dad said, I make it my business. And he intervened in this situation. I think about a quote from Hoosiers. You know, there are two kinds of crazy. There's one that gets naked and get out in your front yard or get out in the yard and house at the moon. Another one does it in your living room. One of them may not be your business, but the other one is. And when it comes to our Heavenly Father, He makes it His business. The nonsense of this world and all that goes on around us, we are His business, folks. We are His business. Let me just set five things in front of you this morning. Number one, Jesus came to right every wrong. Jesus came to right every wrong. Hear what he said and look at what he did. And injustice gives way to justice when Jesus shows up. There's much injustice in this world. Why does one nation find itself on a diet all the time while other people starve to death? Well, we can identify which nation we're talking about. And is that just? The truth is it's not. Why does the color of a man's skin even matter? It doesn't to God when he's made us all of one blood. Is he about justice? He is about justice. Why does wealth often prevail in a battle for justice? But with Jesus, he's always just. He's always fair. Honestly, the day will come when we will all stand before him, and on that day, I don't want justice. I want mercy. 
I want the grace of God. Jesus didn't come to issue an opinion. He came to execute justice. Now, when he came the first time, he came as that meek and lowly Jesus, the one who was wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger, who lived a perfect, sinless life. But when he comes the second time, oh, this is the promise that flows out of Isaiah and in many other passages of Scripture. He comes the second time, he's going to set everything straight. He's going to make this world right. There's so much wrong in the world, but a just judge is coming, and when he comes, he will right every wrong. Jesus came to right every wrong. Jesus came to redeem every captive. He came to redeem every captive. He would deal with those that are held captive by sin, and he made this statement to Zacchaeus, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's a great direct statement. A direct quote, this is what Jesus said, this is why I have come. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus had been lost, and here he was, this wee little man, you know the song, we could sing it this morning, wee little man was he, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, and when the Savior passed that way, he looked up at Zacchaeus and said, come down out of that tree because I'm going to your house today, and tradition says he came down so fast out of that tree that the sycamore has been slick ever since. Well, that's the kind of Savior we have. But he looked into, people saw him going to Zacchaeus' house and said, why are you going to Zacchaeus' house? Don't you know that he's a tax collector? And why are you hanging out with him? And he said, for the very same reason I would hang out with you or anybody else, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And aren't you glad he came looking for you? Because he did. My mind turns to old Hosea who Hosea was told by the Lord the strangest of things. You go to this land of whoredom, and you marry this woman named Gomer. Never marry, by the way, folks, never marry a woman named Gomer. Just don't do it. So go marry this woman. Her name was Gomer, and the Bible says that Hosea and Gomer had three children, although there is some doubt as to whether or not one of those children, actually the name of one of those children is not my people. It was an illustration of how far Israel had moved away from the one true God. And yet the day came when Gomer had gone so far, had fallen so low, had lost so much that Gomer finds, uh, Hosea finds Gomer standing on an auction block, and what does he do? He does what God says to do, buy her back. I'm telling you, that's what, we didn't start out. We started out in a garden, walking with God. Uh, we, we started out without the, the curse resting upon us. But when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the curse came upon us. And so that all of us who are born are born well, in trespasses and sins. But what did Jesus do? Here we stand on the auction block, not worth a whole lot. He gave the ultimate price. He died on a cross that we might be saved. That's what he did. He came to right every wrong. He came to redeem every captive. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to refresh every dry soul. This is the third thing. He came to refresh every dry soul. So if you're suffering from virus fatigue and you're feeling a little dry, the Savior came that Living would be taken to a whole new level, a whole new level of abundance. I came that you might have life, John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but to steal and kill and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. 
when the psalmist wrote the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Those words, he restores my soul, literally means he brought my soul back. Now, dear folks, that doesn't mean you've lost your salvation, but maybe it means that somewhere or other your soul is so dry that you say, I desperately need a revival in my heart. Through all the struggles, everything I've dealt with, And Jesus came to refresh every dry soul. He said, I came that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Last Sunday morning, Brother Mike preached a wonderful uh, opening sermon for the Christmas season on Christ of the cradle and Christ of the cross and Christ with the crown on his head. It is a good sermon. He referenced the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Brother Brad led us as we sang, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, uh, Longfellow's great poem that became a song. Uh, it, their old familiar carols play and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Then in despair, and he was in despair. The nation was in despair. They were in the midst and the depths of the Civil War. His son had come home all shot up, wounded. And he was at a low point in his life, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You may be bowing your head today and say, there's no such thing as peace on earth. There's no such thing as goodwill toward men. I'm just as low as I could possibly be. be. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The, long, the wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That's the hope that we have in Christ. Jesus who came to right every wrong. Jesus who came to redeem every captive. Jesus who came to refresh every dry soul. Jesus who came to resurrect every dead body. He stood out there outside the graveyard in Bethany, the cemetery in Bethany, not Bethany, Missouri, but Bethany in Israel, where they'd taken the body of his friend Lazarus and they'd wrapped him and put him in a grave. Jesus in the 11th chapter of John came there with a purpose. His delay of getting there was a purpose. His arrival was a purpose. And standing out there outside that that cemetery outside that grave of Lazarus, he said, I am the, boy, these are great words, folks. Why did he come? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? In the year 2020 to this point, we have buried 20 people that were members of Concord Baptist Church. Some of your loved ones. This is just what's happened. This has been the course of life. And it's been hard and it's been difficult. I don't suppose in the last many years I've stood beside a grave, but what I haven't read those words are quoted, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And if not those, then at least 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where Paul says, I write these things unto you that you sorrow not as those who have no hope. Much of the world doesn't have any hope. Why did Jesus come? He came to bring hope in the middle of a hopeless world. And in the midst of that, 
with death all around, standing in a cemetery. He said, I am the resurrection of life. Dear folks, we don't have to live an aimless, hopeless life. And someday he'll resurrect the dead. You know, he, uh, he never met a funeral procession, as Dr. R.G. Lee said. He never met a funeral procession that he didn't break it up. Imagine that at Nain, just outside of Nazareth, that just a little wide spot in the road. The widow's son was raised from the dead in Capernaum. A little girl laying in her house in the back room. Jesus went in and raised the dead. Standing outside of Lazarus' grave, he said, Lazarus, come forth, and he raised the dead. And I believe God's word. The day is going to come when the most happening place on this planet is going to be a cemetery because Jesus is going to raise the dead. And we'll be brought up to stand before him that day. Those that are saved that know him are going to be raised in the resurrection to life, and those that do not know him are going to be raised in the resurrection to judgment, but the dead will rise even as he said he came to resurrect the dead. And he came to reign forever and ever. What a Savior we have. What a Savior we have. So, who's going to rule and reign? Who's going to sit upon the throne of this earth? It's all a part of the Father's business. And Jesus says, it's my business too, because I came to be about my Father's business. Man of sorrows, what a name. But hallelujah, what a Savior. And when he comes, our glorious King, all is ransomed home to bring. Then anew this song will sing, hallelujah, what a Savior. When I think about my, my Lord, when I think about what Christ has done and how he came into this world, the words that, that swell up within all of us are the words, if we really know the story, they have to be the words, hallelujah. The hallelujah chorus is sung this time of year, and we, we celebrate the fact that he shall reign forever and ever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end, and there's nobody that compares to my Savior, and there's no one that can help you like he can help you and can touch you and forgive you like he can, and that's why he came, and that's why he said he came. And thank God he came. Yes, hallelujah. I want to ask you to bow your head with me. In just a moment, we're going to sing a wonderful little chorus. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he a great Savior? And he certainly is. And if you've never trusted him, if you've not ever come to know him, then today I encourage you to open your heart to Jesus and say, Lord, I need life. This has been hard, and I need abundance. And if that's the case in your life, believer, if you know Christ, then you may just want to slip to the altar and get on your knees and say, Lord, would you refresh my spirit? Would you restore my soul? You bring back my soul. But if you don't know Christ this morning, why did Jesus come? Well, in his own words, he came. He said he comes for you. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He is a shepherd. And like a shepherd... Seeks after a lost sheep. Jesus came to seek after you. And if you don't know him this morning, right now where you're seated, you can say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. 
Come into my life. Save me. And he will do what you ask him to do. That's why he came. You don't have to talk Jesus into saving you. You humble yourself before the Lord. That's why he came. You ask for salvation. That's why he came. You need abundant life. That's why he came. You need assurance in the face of death. That's why he came. You're worried about all this mess that's in the world. That's the Father's business. You can't ever say what's going on in your life. That's none of his business. Or I can't take this to him. This is the Father's business. This is, you are the Father's business. No matter how crazy you might seem to be, or how crazy you think you are, or how below, beneath the help of God, no, that's why he came. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. We appreciate you tuning in. We pray that this has been a blessing to you. And I pray that today you in your own heart can take heart because you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And Jesus came to be the Savior of all who would call upon him. And if today you've never trusted in him, I encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me and save me. And God's word says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our purpose in all of this is to encourage you to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to take heart in Jesus. He cares for you.